Hey, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Coastal. Glad to have you with us this uh, holiday, Labor Day weekend. Hey, uh, we knew that uh, tons of people would be out of town today, but we also assumed that a lot this service would be packed. So there are kind of people kind of coming in. You know, they always come in a little bit late. And so if you would just kind of get to know your neighbor, just kind of scooch in a little bit, especially if there's some seats to save or, or seats in between you and and us. Uh, uh, the, the front row is empty. I know everybody thinks I got cooties or something, but this whole front row back there, so just be aware of that. Um, again, welcome. We're, uh, Life, uh, the little video that you just saw reminds us that uh, we have a month uh, to sign up for Life Groups. We really believe that we love a crowd, and we love attracting as many people as possible to hear the good news of the gospel, but you don't grow as great in a crowd as you do in a group. And so real life is found in living out your faith within community, within a group of people. And so that's what last week was all about. Life Group Sunday, talked about why you should get involved in a group. We went outside, took a little field trip, and uh, you know, got, got to see all the different life groups. And we had a, kind of a ministry fair, or a life group fair. Uh, all the tables and booths representing the different groups had a lot of fun. And uh, man, our life group leaders did a great job last week, didn't they, with that? Clap your hands if you, if you agree. Um, they did. They did an awesome job. And so we got to take care of a little bit of business, this, first of all, this morning, because uh, the only time that we ever vote here at Coastal is during... Uh, uh, life Group Sunday, where we get to vote. Uh, thanks, Ben. Thanks for coming and sitting up there. I appreciate that. Um, uh, so we voted on the. We had a ballot in in the uh, in the bulletin. We had a ballot out there where we voted. We had five categories: uh, best overall, most creative, most informative, best sales pitch, and best snack, best food. And so I want. We got a prize today. No, the, the reality is that uh, two of the categories were overwhelmingly won by just two different uh, uh, small group tables. And then there was one category where basically that, that group, that table, ran away with the category again for the second straight year. And it was <laughs> best snack, best food right here. Give it up for Pastor Chris. Very good. Woo, woo, woo. I mean, you got... The rest of you might as well stop bringing food for Life Group Sunday because I had barbecue sliders and wings. And, and then, of course, really, Janet deserves most of the praise because she really put me over the top this year with my bacon-wrapped macaroni and cheese bites. And so uh, that was really over the top. You know, I mean, like, seriously, the Daniel plan, don't even bring food, okay? I mean, nobody voted for your little hummus. That did not happen, Okay. So sorry, sorry. Anyway, okay. Um, we're a bunch of fat men in my group. Okay, we're proud of it. Um, so seriously, best, uh, let's, let's go ahead and give away some awards. Uh, this uh, life group won, I don't know if they're in this, in this service this morning or not. Um, they actually won best sales pitch and most uh, informative, and it was the Daniel plan. Woo! So come on up, Neil, Joan, come on, run down. Here we go, come on. And we actually have, uh, and these are the two prizes for these two different groups who ran away with the award, a $100 gift card visa. There you go. Very good. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, now, uh, in, in staff meeting last week, before we even counted the ballots, I said, man, if this particular group doesn't just win best overall, we were going to have a pastor's category, and I was just going to rig it, because they, if you guys couldn't see what I saw, you're stupid, and they were great, uh, but you saw what I saw, and uh, they won for best overall and most creative, and it was eating through the Bible, so where's, uh, let's, uh, come on up, um, Lance and Wendy and, uh, and Kenny 
And who else was in that? Robert, Shannon, somebody come up here and get your prize. Woo, Lance, yes. There you go. $100 Visa gift card. There you go. So uh, if you haven't done so yet, sign up for a life group. And uh, uh, those guys would love to talk to you about their groups. And we got a bunch of groups that are just going to be awesome this semester. Um, we are, we're not quite yet wrapping up. We're almost uh, wrapping up the series that we kind of closed out the summer with called Summer Reading. And the idea is we picked uh, half a dozen different books that we thought were worth reading and encourage you to pick them up at a discounted price here and uh, to read them. And uh, even if you don't read all of them, at least read some of them. And uh, then each week we kind of use the subject matter of those books uh, for, the, for the message on, on Sunday morning. And uh, this week's book is a great read by Andy Stanley called How to Be Rich. And uh, it's all about money. In fact, uh, speaking of money, I have a dollar bill up here, and uh, that's the, another prize for the Life Group Diamond Season. It's not. Uh, but uh, now, this is really cool. I don't know if you're aware of this, but this is true of all uh, the denominations in our currency. But on the back of this dollar bill, right above uh, the word one, the denomination one, it says, are you ready for this? Four words. Do you know what it says? In God we trust, man. Are you glad about that? I mean, are you excited about that today? I mean, think about that. On the back of the currency of our nation, I mean, our country, it says right there, I see it, I can read it, in all caps, bold letters, in God we trust. I mean, kind of gives you a little case of the warm fuzzies this morning, doesn't it? You know, wow, we trust God here in America. Now, I'm being a little sarcastic, I hope you can tell this morning, because in reality, I mean, do you actually believe that? Come on. I mean, that most people in our country would really say and verbalize, yes, we put our trust in God. I mean, the truth is, that's not true for most people. It would be better stated if we could just write in what we trust. In this, right, in money. I mean, most people put their trust in money. Now, very few people would actually verbalize that. I realize that. Uh, but the way we live our lives, the way we, we live our lives day in and day out says, represents what's really true. And a lot of people, sure, claim to trust in God. But, but in reality, uh, they trust, serve, and worship money. Jesus said it like this. In, in Luke chapter 12, he said, For where your treasure is... There your heart will be also. Now, when we think about money, and uh, we think about our hearts and, and uh, you know, our passions and our desires, we like to think about it this way. We like to believe that, well, the things that I am passionate about, the things that have my heart, that's where my money will go. So it's my heart and my desires and my passion that's leading the way for where my money is spent. And again, honestly, that sounds really sweet. And it might give you a case of the warm fuzzies to believe that. But Jesus actually said the exact opposite. Jesus said this, and this is an important biblical truth for us to get our minds around this morning. He said, where your treasure is, where and how and when you spend this dictates where your heart is. In other words, Jesus said, it is not, regardless of what you think, it is not 
you know, well, my heart and my passions and the things that I love kind of direct my money. No, he said, where you spend your money, that determines where your heart's going to go. It's your money that's leading your heart, not your heart leading your money. So how do we put our trust in our money? Let me give you a couple of ways how we put our trust in our money. If you're taking notes today, number one, we trust money to provide happiness. Happiness. Now, again, I don't think a lot of people would say that out loud. I trust money for my happiness. In fact, how many of you would agree that you know mentally that money does not buy happiness? You know that, right? Okay. Now, be honest, though. How many of you have ever thought, but just a little bit more sure would make it easier? Right? Okay, by your laughter, you're agreeing with me, right? I mean, we've all, we've all said that. So we're a bunch of hypocrites, aren't we? I mean, we are. We, we say, we, we, we think one thing. We believe, we want to believe one thing, that money doesn't buy happiness. But when we're downright honest, most people would say, yeah, but a little bit more sure would help. Because, yeah, we, we believe in God, but we trust in this to make us happy. Now, we don't want to admit that, but again, it's the way that we live that proves it to be true. In fact, uh, look at most people in our country today. Now, you know, what's funny to me as a pastor is I know people get the, they get all nervous when the, you know, we're going to talk about money. Oh my goodness, here it comes. Pastor Chris is talking, all the church wants is your money. All they want to do is talk about money. You know what? That, that dog just don't hunt here. Let me tell you something. Our, our world today, our country is in a mess. We, I mean, we, we still do not know the ramifications and the consequences of what our generation and previous generations have done to, to mess up our, our, our country financially. I mean, we still don't know what's going to be happening to our children and our children's children. I mean, it, it's a mess. Everybody knows that. And people are hurting and I believe that if, if, if we really do believe that the Bible is God's roadmap for life and he gives us the principles for living, then we ought to share with people, hey, we, you're hurting, we have hope. You, you know, you're drowning in debt, we have answers. And, and that's the reality. People are, are drowning in financial debt today. Now, I understand, sure, and we can all give the exceptions to this. You know, you know, sure, maybe there's that exception where, you know, somebody has some extreme medical issues and, uh, you know, a serious illness or had to go to the hospital and the bills were astronomical. Or maybe, you know, that jerk of a husband ran out on his family and put, the, put that family in, in, in a bind. And I know that, and so I get that. Yes, there are some exceptions. However... The vast majority of people in our country today are drowning in debt because we believe that the things that this buys will ultimately make us happy. That house we can't afford. You know, that car we shouldn't have bought. The clothes that we can't buy. The, the fast food we keep eating out on. You know, we say, sure, I trust in God, but our actions say that we actually trust in this for our happiness. Number two, the second way we, we trust in money is we trust in money to provide security. And it's kind of the opposite of the same coin in that maybe you're not in debt today and you kind of pride yourself on some of the financial decisions that you've made. And you've been through, you've been through Dave Ramsey. And, and, uh, but functionally, for some of you, this has become your savior. And for some people, it's not about buying fancy stuff as much as this is what makes you feel secure. 
Because your goal in life is to design your life in such a way that the truth is, I don't need God. You know, I'm out of debt. You know, I've got enough of these to have all kinds of insurance. And so basically whatever happens to me, I'm financially secure. And so you put your trust, not in God, but in, in money. And you say, well, that's not, you know, that's not me, Pastor Chris. Well, okay, maybe, maybe not, but... Look at our responses today, some of us, to just the struggling economy. You know, the things that you see on the news and rising gas prices and, you know, and rising bills and and people just go, oh my goodness, it's so terrible. This is the worst thing that could ever happen. And is it possible that if you're honest with yourself, that what's happening is you claim that you trust God, but the truth is your security is in this. And when someone jacks with this, it gets your attention. Why? Because it's become your savior. And it's what makes you feel happy and secure. So why? Why is this such an issue for us? Well, back to your heart for a second. Because for a lot of people, the number one competitor for your heart is money. It's money. You know, that's why the Bible is so direct with us. 1 Timothy 6.10, listen to this. For the love of what? Everybody say it. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. So stop right there for a second. Um, Is money evil? No. The answer is no. No, not at all. Money is neutral. In fact, listen to this next question. Is the things that money buys evil? No. You know, the Bible tells us it's the love of money that is the root of all evil. It says, some people eager for money have wandered away from their faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. In fact, listen to the words of Jesus. In Luke 16, 13, he said this, No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Help me out here. You cannot serve both what? God and money. Now, notice he did not say, Jesus didn't say, hey, you can't serve both money and yourself. He didn't say that. You can't serve both God and power. You can't serve both God and sex. Did not say that. He, he, this is 2,000 years ago, and Jesus knew what we know today. He, what, what was he saying? That the number one competitor for your heart will always be things, stuff, money, Why? Because it's a false god. It's it's an idol. You know, God wants us to worship and serve and love him. And he says, hey, it's okay to use money. You know, to use it. it. It's okay. It's neutral. So worship, love, serve God. Use money. Leverage it for the kingdom. You're my manager. I'm going to bless you. And so use everything that I give you as a tool for the kingdom. But we kind of, we mix that up, don't we? Instead, it's love, serve, worship, money, and use who? God. You know, I I want us to look today at uh, two encounters with Jesus, two people that run into Jesus, two rich guys, and uh, maybe, maybe you'll see yourself in one of these stories. Now, the first guy, you need to know, he's very religious, okay, very moral, 
uh, intelligent, smart, well-educated, and he is definitely upwardly mobile, rich, on, on the upswing. Uh, we know him as the rich young ruler. In fact, in Matthew 19, he meets Jesus, and he asks a great question. In fact, it's a question that many of you have probably asked. You want to know the answer to. He says, basically, hey, what do I need to do to get saved? You know, what do I need to do to, to make it to heaven? Great question. Now, in his mind, though, you see, because he's a moralist, he keeps the law. He has a long list of do's and don'ts, very religious, and he's kept out all that stuff to the T. Jesus responds to him very directly because Jesus could do something that nobody else uh, has ever been able to do. And that is, he, he sees your heart, okay? And so he knew, he knew what was wrong with this guy. And it's the only time he ever says this to anybody. He says this, if you want to be perfect, again, because that's what this guy thought it was all about. If you want to be perfect, you need to sell all your stuff and give to the poor. And then you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Now, again, why, why would Jesus say that to that guy? Well, because Jesus knew that this guy said that he trusted God, that he believed in God. I mean, you know, he acted that way outwardly. But the truth was, very practically, in reality, he trusted in his great wealth. And Jesus knew it. Jesus knew that there was something that was more important in his life than God. And so he laid it on the line with this guy and basically says, okay, so which one are you going to choose? Now here's the guy's response. Verse 22. When the young man heard this, he went away sad. Now why was he sad? Because he had great, what does it say? Great wealth. Because he had a lot of these. Now again, in and of itself, there's nothing wrong with these. But for him, they were more important to him than his relationship with God. And you might say, man, Pastor Chris, I would never do that. And I would just say, if we're all really honest with ourselves today, that sometimes we do that every single day of our lives. That we choose the things of this world over the things of the kingdom of God. Again, Let's be honest, it's possible that some of us watched more football yesterday in one day than we will spend in time in prayer with God all week long, all month. A lot of people will spend more on coffee in one week than they will spend on kingdom purposes all year long. Did you know that the average American spends six hours a week shopping compared to 40 minutes a week playing with their kids? Why? Because stuff consumes us. I mean, what do you wake up thinking about? How can I give more today? <laughs> How can I be more generous? How can I be more of a, of a kingdom player? How can I leverage my house and my car and my stuff and my talents and my abilities for the kingdom of God today or this week? Or do you wake up thinking, 
how am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to make ends meet? How am I going to get more? I'm stressed out financially. The rich guy basically said, yeah, I want Jesus, but I'm not willing to change my life to get him. And that's why Jesus continues this conversation with his disciples and with us, and it's a very painful one. He said to his disciples, he goes, you guys have got to understand something. It is really difficult for rich people to get saved. And I know, I know this because I used to be there. I used to think this. When we hear that story, we hear that statement, do you know what we go? You know what we think? Oh, yeah, it's hard for them. It's hard for those rich people. And we don't recognize that he is speaking to every single person in this room. It's one of the great things, by the way, about this book, if you'll pick it up and read it. And Andy Stanley makes a great point explaining just how rich we really are in this country because he is speaking to every single person here. He said, but Pastor Chris, you know, no, 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 no. I'm not rich. Well, when you recognize that about 60% of the world lives on less than $2 a day. I mean, when you really look at it from a global perspective, we're rich. I mean, do you realize that most of the people in the world look at us and go, oh my goodness, you got a toilet. Wow, and it flushes. Wow. I mean, when's the last time you did that, right? I mean, we, I mean, we don't, you know, you have transportation. And I know you're thinking, yeah, but Chris, have you seen my car? No, listen. Do you realize that that just by having a car, that that puts you in the top 3% of the world? You know, this summer, blazing hot, you have an air conditioner? Yeah, but it, it, that, that one week it didn't work, right? And you called Greg or whoever here at the church, like, you know, you're crying like a baby girl. Why? I mean, because we're filthy rich. We are filthy rich. And Jesus says... And this is hard for us. And this is why just, let's be honest here today. He's just saying that recognize that puts you at a disadvantage spiritually. Because it's so easy to put our trust and our security in this. And here in America, we have so many things that compete for our heart. I mean, very few of us really have ever had the true blessing of really having to pray, God, give me today my daily bread when you get free bread every week here at Panera, right? I mean, most of us have more food in our pantry to last, you know, for a week, a month. Yeah, but I don't eat that, uh, the canned broccoli or, you know, whatever, you know. I don't eat the, you know, whatever, but we do. We know we do. Well, there's another rich guy who encountered Jesus, and, and yet this guy wasn't as moral, so you need to know that off the bat. Okay, this was an immoral guy. In fact, he was one of the most despised people of his day. He was a little bitty short guy. His name's Zacchaeus. And it wasn't that short, but that's you know, kind of how we, how we know him to be. Um, his name is Zacchaeus. If you were ever in children's church, you know what I'm referring to. But he was a tax collector, which basically meant that he had a license to steal. He could just walk up to people and say, hey, the government says that you owe $50, but I say you owe $75, so I get to keep the rest. I mean, basically, he was a legal criminal, which is pretty much our tax system today anyway, right? Um, so everybody hated him, okay? Now, 
Zacchaeus happens to hear that Jesus is coming to town and he wants to meet him. But because, you know, he was a short guy, he, you know, he couldn't see through the crowd. So if you know the song, he climbed up in a what? Sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see because Zacchaeus was a wee little man. And a wee little man was he. I'm not going to sing it. But anyway, um, so Jesus reaches to where Zacchaeus is, tells him to come down and that he's going to go to his house. And he has an encounter with Jesus. And we, we're not privy to exactly what happened there. But obviously it was life changing. Look at Luke 19.8. Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, look Lord, here and now I give how much? What does he say? Half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I'll do what? I'll pay it back how many times? Four times. In other words... Jesus, just yesterday, all this stuff, this money, and these things were so important. And it was. I was all about the money, the image, the bling, the security. I was all about that. But now it doesn't have a hold on me anymore. And then if you read on, Jesus said, today, salvation has come to your house. Now, it's important to understand salvation did not come because he had gave half, because he gave half. He gave half because salvation had come to his house. There's a difference. Because he saw Jesus and he recognized that the things of this world don't last. And he is just a manager. And God wants to use all this stuff to be leveraged for the kingdom. Now, the reality is both of those stories, they're your story. They're my story. And, and, you know, if we're honest, the further you are away from God, I mean, you know, when you're not as close to God as you should be, as you know you should be, the more shiny and appealing and desirable the stuff of this world looks. And that's just the way it is. I mean, I know for me personally that the, the closer I am to God, the things of this world don't have their claws into me. Because I discover that he is enough. Now again, I don't, you know, don't misunderstand what I'm talking about. This is not about socialism or, you know, or anything like that. No, that's not what I'm saying. In fact, I'm, money is neutral. Money is a great tool for the kingdom. It should be... We are blessed to even be in this country. But what I'm saying is there's a difference between having things and having stuff, which we all do, and then those things and that stuff and that money having me and having their claws into me. And if you find that you are consumed with more and, and bigger and better and financial stress, I would say to you, very lovingly and very respectfully, it's very possible that you're not walking real close with God right now. If you're far from him, this looks good. When you're close to him, it just loses its power. Now, when you fall in love with Jesus, let me tell you something. Two things will happen in your life. Number one, you will become strangely content. Strangely content. I say strangely because people won't understand it. 
1 Timothy 6, 17, Paul said this, command those who are rich, and again, that's us, in this present world, don't be arrogant. Don't put your hope where? In what? In wealth, in your money. Why? Because it's so what? Uncertain. Don't we know that? But instead, put your hope in God who richly provides us with what? Everything we need for our enjoyment. Let me tell you something. I mean, try it. Many of you are. Pursue everything this world has to offer. Chase after stuff. Sacrifice your family on the altar of financial success. And I guarantee you, you will get to the end of your life. Because I have been there with an awful lot of people. And you will have a, a lot of regrets. And you will, you will understand and you will see that true fulfillment was never found in stuff. And it's only found in Jesus. When I trust in God, he is the one who gives everything for our enjoyment. And, and that stuff that we once put our trust in, put our security in, it doesn't have us like it once did. You know, if, if, if you can't be happy, and, and I guess that's really the point. Again, it's not about, there's nothing wrong with, with having and then having more than others. But if, what I'm saying is if you really can't be satisfied, and content and happy with what you have, then something's wrong. There's a sickness inside that's got to be dealt with. The second thing that happens when you fall in love with Jesus, and some of you are not going to want to hear this today. The second thing is you become irrationally generous. Irrationally generous. So you fall in love with Jesus, you become strangely content, and you become irrationally generous. Um, the reality is, in our country, we are not generous. Regardless of the ice bucket water challenge, uh, regardless of what ALS Foundation has seen. Let me, let me just give you some statistics about people's giving to the local church. 21% of consistent U.S. churchgoers don't give a dime to their church. Don't give anything. And that's basically almost one in four give absolutely nothing. That is some of you. I mean, just own that for a moment. I'm, I'm talking to some of you. Now, why not? Well, for some of you, it's because this is your God. 71%, 71% give less than 2%. Why? Well, because you say, in God I trust. But practically, you don't live that. Now, I believe with everything that's in me that according to the Bible, the tithe is a biblical standard of giving. That's the first 10% of your gross income, according to Scripture, is holy unto the Lord, and it is His. And if you don't give that back to Him, you are stealing from God. If you're not tithing, you're driving a stolen car, you've shoplifted the clothes you are wearing, and you are living in a house that's not yours. And the Bible says that this is the first and only place 
that we actually get to put God to the test and see if he is faithful and see if he could be trusted. And people will tell me all the time, oh, Pastor Chris, hold up there, buddy. You know, are you saying that I'm supposed to give at least the first 10% of my income to God through the local church? Do you realize what that's going to do? I will have to adjust my lifestyle, my lifestyle for God. Yes. <laughs> yep, you got it. You're right. And that's the point. It forces me to reprioritize my life. When I put God at number one, you know, then everything else has to fall into place. It says, I'm not going to serve this because I'm going to put God first. That's a beautiful thing. It forces me to live by faith. The reality is for most of us, for most of us, we kind of just give God the, the left. We give a, think about this. We give a holy God the leftovers. Now, we're not the first people, by the way, to do that. That was actually a problem in the Old Testament. God basically told the children of Israel, hey, when it's time to make a sacrifice, you need to bring the very best, you know, the best lambs, the best animals for sacrifice. And then everybody was kind of like, yeah, but God, you know, I don't want to give you the best because, I mean, look at the best. The best is perfect. And if I took the best to the marketplace, I mean, the best is beautiful. The best could give me a lot of money. But I got this other one out back that's kind of scraggly and blind in one eye and crippled. And, you know, nobody's going to pay me a lot of money at the marketplace for that. So I'll give that one to God. Now, here's what God said about that attitude. Malachi 1.8. When you bring your blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice crippled or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you? Says the Lord Almighty. You see, the reality is for a lot of people, their giving attitude is basically, well, I'll give if it doesn't affect my standard of living. I'll give as long as it doesn't affect what I want to do. I'll give as long as I have enough of these, but I'm not going to give in a way that's going to cause me to have faith. Here's what King David once said. Basically, there was this guy who comes up to David during the time of sacrifice and says, hey, David, I'd love to give you some of my animals for your sacrifice. Which, you know, sounds like a pretty generous offer. And yet, here's what King David said in 2 Samuel 24, 24. No, I insist on paying for it. I will not sacrifice anything to the Lord my God. I won't sacrifice any burnt offering to him that what? What's he say? Cost me nothing. I, I want to feel it. And so, what I'm saying is, when you fall in love with Jesus, you become content and you become irrationally generous. Now, would that word generous be used to describe you? You know, do you give to the church at all? Do you tithe? Do you give above and beyond? Here's the challenge today, okay? Here's the challenge. Just take the next step in your giving. I mean, if you've never given to Coastal and you come here on a regular basis, start giving. 
You know, you're never going to be able to break the chains of materialism. You're never going to have God bless your life financially until you start making him a priority. So that's your next step for some of you. Maybe some of you give, but you don't give consistently. Maybe that's your next step. Pray about it. Think about it. Actually make it an act of worship. Give consistently. Maybe you do that, but you don't tithe. You don't give proportionately. Maybe you give 2%. Put God to the test. He says, I double dog dare you. Put me to the test and you will discover that he is faithful. For some of you, the reality is maybe you've been doing that for a while. And I would challenge you then, give beyond. Give generously. Give sacrificially. Listen, God does not want your money, but he wants what it represents. And that is the bottom line because Jesus said, where your money is, where you put your money, Regardless of what you say, that's where your heart is. That's where your heart is. We are a rich, blessed people. Now let's live that way. God said, command those who are rich in this present world. Don't put your trust and your hope in money, which is so uncertain. But put your hope in God. And that's where it begins. Maybe you are here today and the truth is you have yet to put your trust and your hope in the one true God. And you've been coming and you've heard the stories and you might be somewhat religious, but you don't yet have a personal relationship with God. That's where it starts. You know, you can do that today. You can establish that today. And he will put everything else in your life in place. But it begins there. It begins by recognizing that Jesus is the Son of God. And he was sacrificed. God gave his very best for you and me so that we could have a relationship with him. He, he went to the cross to pay for our sin. And when I put my trust in him, my faith in him, it wipes away my sin. And I get the righteousness of Jesus. And when God looks at me then, he sees and he says, perfect. Not because of anything I did, but because of what Jesus did. And you can have that today. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you today for the truth of your word. You know, sometimes we shy away from talking about money and stuff and possessions. And yet, God, the truth is stuff, things, money, it has its claws so deep into the hearts of so many people. And God, I pray that we would begin the process of putting our hope and our trust truly, truly in you. And Father, that when we do that, when we fall in love with Jesus, we become content. We have things, but they no longer have us. And we become generous, sacrificial, giving people I pray that's the mark of this church and that's the mark of the people that are here today. And Father, uh, I know there are people here today who have not yet put their trust in you. They've not yet put their trust in what your son Jesus did on the cross. Listen, if, if that's you today, but you're ready, you're ready to make that decision, 
just pour out your heart to God because like I said, he's the only one that can truly see your heart. It really doesn't matter, therefore, the words that you say as much as what is in your heart, but maybe verbalize your heart like this today. Just say, dear God, forgive me. I have pushed you out of my life. I have run from you. I've made a mess of things. But today I want to come home. Today I ask you to forgive me. Make me brand new and clean. And I recognize that only happens through Jesus. I believe, God. I believe he is your son. I believe that somehow, some way, this blows me away, that you gave up your one and only son as a sacrifice, the perfect sinless lamb of God, to be sacrificed for my sin, the payment for my wrongdoing. But Father, death could not contain your son Jesus. And because of your great love and your power over sin and death, he rose from the dead and he is alive. And God, today I believe that. And I put my trust in him and him alone. I no longer do I try to earn anything. No longer do I rebel or run from you, but I run to you. In fact, from here on out, God, I simply want to I want to follow Jesus just to say thank you. Father, thank you. Thank you for those who prayed that prayer, who expressed that in their hearts today. Thank you now that they are brand new and clean, adopted into your forever family. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.